Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. It's good to be back with you all today. Last week I preached over in our traditional services. And so I just want to give a special shout out to Kyle who filled in for me. I heard that he did a great job. If you didn't have a chance to watch it, I want to encourage you to go back online and, um, and just hear the message that he brought for us. It was wonderful. And so Kyle, as a way of saying thank you, uh, I have a couple of your favorite type of corny jokes that are thematic to get us started this morning. So, you ready, Kyle, up there? Oh, there you are. You're over there. Okay. Hey, Kyle, why should you not marry a tennis player? Oh, he's running in here. Okay, let's see if he knows. He's good at these kind of jokes. Do you know? Nope. (laughs) Because love means nothing to them. Oh. Okay, okay. What is the difference between love and marriage? Love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener. Ah, okay, fine. Last one, but this is going to be your most favorite because I know you're a huge hockey fan. Why should you never break up with a goalie? Oh, you can do it. I feel it, Kyle. Because they are a keeper. Ah, okay. There you go. I am so sorry, Amy, that I've given your husband new jokes uh, to tell this Christmas. In case you didn't catch on to the theme, today we're talking about love. This is our fourth candle that we light in the Advent wreath. It's the one that the reading says completes the circle. And I couldn't think of a better scripture to use for this than probably the most well-known scripture about love that Paul wrote about. And he wrote it to the church in Corinth. And we hear it a lot at weddings. And so for a long time, I associated it with this really sappy, corny kind of love. And as I have grown older, it really has become one of my favorites. It is probably the scripture that informs how I love more than any other. Hear these words. It's from 1 Corinthians, beginning in the 13th chapter. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them up, and it'll also be on the screens. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but I don't have love, then I am a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. Or if I have prophetic powers and I understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all of my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or irritable or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. 
But as for prophecies, they come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For now we know only in part and prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child and I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I put away childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly. But then we will see face to face. Now, I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have fully been known. Now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. Let us pray. Gracious God, I just pray that you would Open our hearts to receive whatever it is you want to speak to us today. I fully believe that you have a word for each of us because you know each of us deeply and intimately. You know our circumstances, you know our lives, you know what we brought into this place. And so God, help to clear away all that which is not useful, all that which gets in the way of us hearing you. Amen. So I think that there is something deep within us that knows instinctively how to love. It's one of those things that, barring some genetic mishap, generally speaking, we just know how to do. You don't have to teach an infant how to love. If you pour into that child, eventually love will create love, and that child will love back. You know, the trouble, of course, sometimes with love is that it doesn't always stay that way, that we are very open to loving everyone around us. I mean, most kids, I think part of why we love being around them is because they just are so good at loving. They see a stranger and they run up and they hug them. I mean, isn't it the best thing in the world when a little kid just runs up to you and they have no idea who you are, but they just love on you and they just do that so freely. But we also know that as we grow and have more and more experiences in life, as we are hurt by loving that fully, something begins to shift in us, and love gets a little complicated. We go from these wide open creatures to being very selective in whom we love, and in some ways, that's a good thing, I suppose. It does keep us from being taken advantage of, it keeps us from trusting in the wrong ones, keeps us from being hurt. But in other ways, it's not always so helpful. Just part of the human experience seems to be that we grow to put limits on our love. But even now, I think even if you've gotten to that place, even if you've become a little more jaded, a little more cynical, I think even the greatest cynics around us still really believe ultimately in love. I think as human beings, we desire it more than anything. We desire to know and to be fully known by someone, anyone, who really gets us and sees us and maybe even sees past all of our defenses and all the ways in which we push people away. We still long inwardly to be love and to experience it, even if we're terrible at reciprocating it, and even if we're not very good at being open to it. Because loving others is complicated. 
I think that's why for a lot of people the holidays are so stressful because we invariably are around people in our lives whom we do love, but who are hard to love, who test that patience and endurance and all of that within us. And maybe this is because at our nature, all of us are sinful and a bit broken. Maybe it's because we are not in and of ourselves fully capable of loving in the way that we really want to. And depending upon the circumstances we've experienced in life, some really are not capable at all, it would seem, at times. At best, I think as human beings, we are the mirror that reflects dimly the love that Christ has for us as his children. And maybe that's why sometimes, no matter how hard we try to force ourselves to feel that love is just not there. Think about it. You know, if you were to take what Paul talks about as being vital to love and put it into your life and think about how you love the people around you, do you always do each of these things clearly and well, or do you often do them dimly? Patience, dimly or fully. Kindness, are you free from envy? Are you never rude? Come on, I I saw some of you look at the people next to you. Sometimes, do you ever insist on your own way? Is there a lack of irritability in your spirit all the time? You want me to go on? You know, love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It never ends, scripture says. Everything else, everything else around us will eventually come crashing down. It will all decay and crumble. It will all be forgotten and lost except love. So what in the world, what does it even mean to us who at best do it dimly most of the time? Because it's talking about the love that God has for us. The love that God has had for us since the dawn of creation. The love that is unveiled in the birth of this Christ child whom in a few days we will remember that inbreaking Emmanuel, God with us. It was the love that bound Jesus to the cross all those years ago. It was the love that brought him back from the dead to overcome death and sin. It's that kind of love that knits us to God even when we try to run from it. And it's that love that's supposed to knit us together as the body of Christ. And sometimes, depending on how receptive we are, it's easier than at other times. That is what true love is. And that's what scripture says is greater even than faith. Emil Bruner wrote this book and it's called Big Surprise, Faith, Hope, and Love. And he said this, faith is the instrument that opens us up to God's love. It puts us in touch with the source of love itself. Faith allows us to draw from the source so that the love of God shown to us in Christ can also show itself in our lives. You see, being able to understand that love of God, to receive it, is critical to all the other elements of our faith. Without that love, there is no faith. Without that love, there is no hope. And without that love of God, we 
have no hope of loving each other well at all. You know, the love of God gives us hope that no matter what's going on inside of us, no matter what our circumstances are, that God's love is going to continue to mold us and shape us and to be present. You know, we don't fully control or always even understand the journey that love takes us on when we say yes to it. It, It's filled with twists and turns and it has these real highs and it has these extreme lows at time and most of it is spent in the middle. And we don't always see the results of our love for other people. We can try so hard And we can, within ourselves, practice the principles of patience and endurance and faith. And then the people around us don't reflect it back at all. And that's the risk of love. C.S. Lewis, I've quoted him before, but one of my favorite things that he says about love is this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and be broken If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you have to give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. You have to wrap it around with hobbies and little luxuries and avoid all entanglements and lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe and dark and motionless and airless, it will not be broken, but it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. Lewis, of course, learned about love much later in life. He had determined he was going to be single his whole life, and he kind of rather enjoyed that. And then he was surprised by Joy, which ended up being the name of the woman that he married. And he loved her in a way that surprised him. And they had two sons, and then she got sick, and he cared for her. And then the moment came when only God could care for her in the way that she needed to be cared for, and God took her home into his arms And his love for a long time brought him to this deep and dark place. He didn't know what to do. He wasn't expecting to love Joy like he did. And then when he lost her, it broke him. But he talks in his later writings about how it was in that brokenness that God really came to him. And he learned to love in a whole different way. He was changed by love for the better. Anyone who loves is vulnerable. And I have to assume that maybe that includes God too. Maybe that's part of what makes this story of Christmas so special and unique, that God is truly vulnerable in this precious child who doesn't love a baby. I mean, maybe when they've kept you up for a couple of days in a row and you're very tired, but even then, even then, and that's God. He's in this little baby, and humanity welcomed love's intrusion. God keeps loving us, keeps loving us even when we don't deserve it, even when we're at our bottom. His love, it calls to us, and it woos us, and it invites us to be vulnerable again, to take a risk, to open ourselves up to him and see where that love might take us. You know, how often do we fail to understand the the depth of that love and the links that it'll go to in our lives? If you think about the stories that Jesus told, 
All these incredible stories about the ways that God loves us, and they're almost unbelievable. God is the woman who lost this coin and turned her whole house upside down to find it. God is the one who leaves the 99 to find that one. God is the parent who's so crazy in love with his child that he lets go of all of his dignity and when his boy who has taken all of his inheritance and spent it all on terrible things, when that boy wakes up hungry and comes home because he's out of money, God is the father who picks up his robes and runs to the boy and embraces him. These are the heights and the depths of God's love. These are what we hear in the words of Jesus told over and over again. How do you not love a God who loves you like that? But you know, to experience that kind of love, you have to spend time with him. I mean, if you really want to love a person, you have to be around them, right? I mean, you have to engage with them. You have to open yourself up to them. This last year in Run for God, we committed a few of us at the beginning of the year to run one 5K a month. That was our big goal for the year. So we'd run a total of 12. And we were doing this really just to stay in shape and to kind of stay ready for the next class in between times. And so as we did this, for me, I began to notice that the more I ran and the stronger I got, the less that time became about just surviving And it really became like this space of prayer for me, this really beautiful space. And some of you are like, how do you pray when you run? Well, I'm one of those people that moves all the time. You may have noticed it. It, Now you're going to see it next time when the song's going on. I'm like constantly doing this or even in traditional, I'm like, you know, because I just, I have this energy in me that's always moving. And so I've always my whole life struggled to be really still for prayer time. I can do it but it is a struggle for the tigger in me. And running, it turns out, gives my body something to do so that my spirit can be still enough to pray. And as I have begun to do this more and more, I've noticed my conversations with God have gone to this whole other level and I've really become to, begun to crave that time that intimacy with God. And when I have a terrible day, the first thing I want to do is I want to go run, not so much for the exercise, but to really be in that space of prayer. So I calculated the other day, I didn't run 12 uh, 5Ks. I ran 23 this year and and three 10Ks. I think I had a lot to talk about with God um, this year. And, And then my little app that tells me how much I've run, I've run over 526 miles. I may have a problem, um, but it is not a spiritual one because God and I, you know, we've, we've just had this space and, but it has been just life saving. And And that's what happens with love, right? When you really spend time with the other, it allows you to know them in this really deep and intimate way. It allows you um, to trust, to let go of some things, to be fully yourself. And we have to find that space with God. We have to take the time to really get to know God so that we can trust him enough to take us to places we never thought that we would go. I mean, that's what it's all about. 
Life is about love. This is what Paul is saying. From the moment you were born until the moment you die, every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every year is about learning to love. It's about learning to love our God and then using that love you have for God to allow you to love others. That's what it means. 1 John 4, 7 says this, and I really want you to hear these words. My dear friends, we have to love each other. Love comes from God. And when we love each other, it shows that we have been given new life. We are now God's children and we know him. God is love. And anyone who doesn't love others has never known him. God showered us with love when he sent his only son in the world to give us life. Real love isn't our love for God, but it is God's love for us. God sent his son to be the sacrifice by which our sins are forgiven because God loved us so much, dear friends, we are to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is truly in our hearts. If God lives in us, people are gonna know. They're gonna know by the way that we love. The ways in which we are patience in the face of things that really call for that. The ways in which we allow ourselves to mature, to not be so quick to anger, to not be so quick to judge to truly be kind even when others aren't kind, to reflect that godly love wherever we go. That is the invitation, I think, this last week in Advent, to really complete the circle in our lives. Because from love comes joy and peace and hope. May we lean into that invitation May others really know God through the love that we show. And may we remember that really that is what this is all about. The gifts are gonna be wonderful if you're involved in all of that. But really, all people care about at the end of the day is love, because that's really what we all want. Let us pray. Gracious God, we confess that we have not always loved each other well. In fact, God, at times we have done the very opposite. We have broken one another's trust. We have hurt one another with the things that we have said or that we have not said. We have withheld our love and affection at times. But God, I just pray that you might heal that. Wherever those broken spaces are, wherever there is a call for more love in our life, that we might find a way to do that. And not with the human kind of love, but the love that comes from knowing you. May we deepen our relationship with you. May we receive the love you have for us so that we can go and embody it and be truly your hands and feet in the world. It is in the powerful and precious name of God that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.